Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your patience, your timing, your steadfast love. Lord, for your word. For the folks that are reading through the book of Acts right now, as they see, Lord, your handiwork. And as we get into Hebrews on, on, on Sunday, March 1st, as we read Galatians and James, oh, we're so thankful. And today as we read Revelation, Lord, I pray you just overwhelm us with your, your love and your goodness. We need you. And I pray, Lord, a, a divine word to be spoken to each man, each woman here. Even if it's just your arm extended around their shoulder, squeezing them, saying, I'm proud of you, son. I'm proud of you. Look how far you've come. Don't give up now. I see the battle. I see the struggle. I'm proud of you. Or maybe for your precious daughters, Lord, that you would just sit across from them and make eye contact with them and just tell them you love them, proud of them. You see them desiring to shine bright. And Lord, would you give that special word to each one of us today, even now? Just receive that right now. The Lord is proud of you. He sees you. And so, Jesus, we thank you and we check in now. Because we're on mission. And our desire is to rise up. To make an impact. To give back. Just as Isaiah received that coal from the altar. And then quickly volunteered. I'll go. I'll keep going. So, Lord, would you do that? We thank you for all you've done, would you? Bless us now as we get into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I do believe it's Terry Lynch's birthday today, though. Terry, are you in the back there? Is that you? Yes. Terry, would you stand up real quick? Can we sing to Terry? She is one of my favorite people in all the world. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Terry. Happy birthday to you. I could talk for a little bit about Terry. I don't have that much time, so I'll just... She reflects the glory of God, and she lives for the good of others. It's just, it's spot on. And if you know her testimony, she, she was outside of the grace of God. And the Lord grabbed her and has changed her life. Guys, changed her life. And now she lives for the glory of God and for the good of others. And it's such a testimony of what God is doing. On Thursday, we had some visitors come in from Lincoln City. They said they knew me when I was nine years old. I apologized. <laughs> they mentioned their name and asked me if I remembered them. And I proceeded to lie to them and say, yeah, you know, I don't know. I didn't really remember them, sorry, but I was being nice. And then they, they live in Lincoln City. They just came down to visit, and they go to the Baptist church up there. But they heard about South Beach, and they knew me, and they knew my mom and dad, and so they wanted to just come, you know, peep the scene. And, and they asked a question. The, the older, the guy, I can't remember, Jerry, I think is his name. Jerry and Judy, maybe, or Jerry, I can't remember, but my mom and dad know. Anyways, he, he asked, he said, what's going on at South Beach? What's going on here? Tell me. 
And he asked a few other questions. Is the Holy Spirit here? Is the Holy Spirit? And I said, yeah. And he, he knew you, Elaine and Lyle. He knew you guys. And, and I was able to explain. Well, guys, I said, man, what's, what's God doing here? Wow. I said, you know. And, and I wanted to tell him about our, our hoodies and our stickers and our bags. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I didn't because that doesn't matter. I said, you know what God's doing here? It's crazy. I said, God, he's changing lives. Like, and, and I told a story about Wendy. I was at Fred Myers the other day. And, and Wendy, if you guys go to Fred Myers, do the self-check there on the, you know, the north side. And, and she pulled her drawer. She goes, Luke, look at this. And she pulled her drawer, and she opened up her drawer, and there was a brand-new Bible that she had gotten from South Beach Church, you know. And she's at, at, at Fred Myers, you know, giving it away, you know. And she's giving it to people. And, and I said, Wendy, I said, you're changing people's lives. And then Wendy's, you know, oh. And Wendy's sitting right over here. She's, oh, my life's been changed, you know. It was so fun. And, and Terry, and there's so many people, and it's such a blessing to be a part of a church that is, is wanting that and fostering that okay, and going for that, changed lives, like changed lives. And I just, I pray in Jesus' name and that you guys would embrace that for yourself and say, thank you, Lord, for bringing me this far. He didn't bring you this far just to bring you this far, though, right? You got a pulse? There it is. You got a purpose. So good. And you're changing. Are you not changing? Is everyone here changing? Everyone with me? I went on a run yesterday. I was sitting out, you know, studying, and I thought, you know what I need to do? I need to go run. I don't feel that great, and the sun's out, and so I'm just going to go tell this, you know, got the sniff. I'm going to tell the sniffles who's boss, you know. And so I, I began my run, and as I, I left my house in the, the cul-de-sac there, and I went up the hill, you know, towards Iron Mountain, and there's a little trail that connects there with, you know, uh, Nautical Hill. And, and as I was going up the hill, I, I couldn't believe how steep that hill was. And how slow I was going. And I was like, I was like, whoa. I got like lead in my everything. You know, and I, was, I was running and I was like waiting. And I wasn't getting warm. It was hurting. And I was like, this is, and I was just having these like, you know, hot flashes and stuff. And no hot flashes. But I was, <laughs> but I was just, I was confused. I was like, this is not, not normal. And, and I realized what it was. I'm getting older. <laughs> it was weird. I was like, what? And so I said, well, you know, I was going to go on a three-mile out and back, mile and a half out, mile and a mile. But I decided to keep going, and, and I was going to tell this old guy what, what he could do, you know. And, and so I kept going, and I got to, you know, Izzy's from my house, and I went to the lighthouse, and, you know, I was running as fast as I could. And, and on the way home, my knees began to just kind of swell, and, and I began to just wonder if I'd made a huge mistake, you know. And I had. I had made a huge mistake, but I made it. And I was, I was just rejoicing in the Lord that, you know, hey, what are you going to do when you get older? Is there anything you can do about it? Anybody have any tips for getting older? Anything? I think, I think, I think, thank you. Thank you. Folks, nailed it. Embrace it. Embrace it. As a matter of fact, em embrace it means not just to accept it. Accept it's one thing. Like accept, accept it. Accept who I am. Accept what's going on. That's, that's not embracing. It's different. Embrace it. Love it. Wherever you're at, as under the Lord. Has he changed your life? Yeah. Embrace it. Can you slow, it? Can you slow down the aging process? And the, no, you cannot. You are weak. You're falling. It's embrace it. And it's such a joy when you say, Lord. And you embrace. And you've got you to know who the Lord is for this to happen. You've got to understand the pastor who performed my wedding, his name is John Minor. He was my wife's pastor at her church, and, and, and we had him do our wedding. And, and he, Vietnam vet, 
very charismatic. Had a few screws loose. And yet he longed for heaven like no one else. And he would talk about Jesus and preach, and you would just want to listen more. And one time he was riding his bike by the Ashland Christian Fellowship, and I was there with Pastor Mark Anderson, and we're talking outside in the sun, and John Minor goes riding by in his beach cruiser, you know, with his Bible tucked in the back, and, hey, John, how you doing? You want to stop and talk? And John, John Minor, just riding there, just yells with the wind blowing through his hair, I'm going to heaven! You know, just, just... All right. See ya, you know. <clears throat> Going to heaven. And that, that mindset, Lord, teach us to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom, Moses would say, in his older, olden days. And you can't stop. We're going to heaven. And in light of the book of Revelation, we're in Revelation today, believe it or not. <laughs> Revelation 14 Oh, wow. I got other stuff to read. <sighs> and when John received the book of Revelation, he was on the island of Patmos. He was going to heaven. He was old. He had just about run his race, but he wasn't done yet. Ready to tap out. Maybe just ready to die. And the Lord said, no, we'll give you the Revelation. And when he's in his 90s, the Lord cracked open the sky and gave him the apocalypse. That means the revealing. And he showed it to him in order to encourage John, in order that John would give it to the churches, in order that those churches then would be encouraged. They wouldn't slow down, even in their olden days. They would die and they would suffer and they would live well. For the glory of God and the good of others. They just do it well. And so as we read this portion of scripture now that was given to John, it's a picture of the future. It didn't, it hasn't happened yet. It will happen. It's one of those things on the calendar yet to be experienced by the church. And John, when he saw it, I bet you in his heart of hearts thought, I can't wait for this to happen. And the Lord must have smiled and said, you bet, it's going to happen. And then the generation that lived there in the first and second century, they read it and said, oh man, I can't wait for this to happen in the third and fourth century, in the, you know, so on and so on. And now here we are in the 21st century. And we're reading these same things about the future. It hasn't happened yet. And the same purpose that God gave it to him and them and us is that we would run our race well. That we wouldn't get discouraged. We wouldn't forget in our own battles what the Lord is doing. Let me read to you a lengthy portion of scripture quickly out of 2 Peter, chapter 3. It's not going to be on the screen, and that's okay. Peter said, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Peter said, I'm going to remind you something. That you may be mindful of the words which were spoken of before by the holy prophets and of the commandment to us and the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all these continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Peter said, before the end, there'll be people making fun of the end. For this they willfully forget. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water. By which the word, by which the word 
that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years. A thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack, verse 9, concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, Bible students, whenever there's a therefore, it's always therefore a reason. Smart, smart stuff right there. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. And stop right there, eyes up here, if you're not up here. Sorry. The long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. In 1967, there was a war in Israel, and in 1948, Israel became a nation. And shortly after 1948 came 1967, what, 19 years later? And in 1967, those who were alive and studying Bible prophecy said, this is it. This is it. This is the war. This is it. This is the rapture. This is Armageddon. This is it. And, and in 1967, people had their rapture shoes on, and they were doing rapture practice, you know, and they were ready to go. And in, in 1967, guess what didn't happen? The rapture didn't happen. And, and then there was a lot of preaching about the rapture during the 90s and Y2K. And How many of you guys right now are, are surprised that it's 2020? Like, you're, like, how many of you guys are surprised that we made it this far? You're Christians. Like, I just, I'm, I am so shocked. I am so shocked. I'm shocked. And as I look at the news and the political scene, it's always been weird. Do you know that, right? Every generation's been weird. And we think ours is the weirdest, and it probably is. But every generation has been looking at the news in one hand and the Bible and the other thinking, for sure, it can't go any longer. This is crazy. This is crazy. Every generation. And it's actually a gift. I need you to understand this because there will be scoffers that look at you and say, you, you believe what? You believe the end is near? And they'll, they'll mock you. But, but that belief system has been shared by every believer since the ascension of Jesus. Every believer has lived with the eminent hope of Christ's return, okay? Rightly, rightly, for as a thief in the night, you do not know the hour. It is your right to live with hope and expectation, even if it doesn't happen in your time. Because in living with the hope and expectation of his return, your lives are different. You're different. 1 John 3, 3 says that you purify yourself when you hope in his revealing. You live differently. You process differently. You get the wind knocked out of you differently. When you believe. Peter goes on record. John goes on record. Peter and John were Jesus' best friends. And they knew Jesus better than anybody. They saw him live, heard his teachings, saw him die, saw him rise, and then received the oracles of God. If you're looking for a, a, 
a reason to have hope today or make a conclusion in your faith. It's, it's from Peter and John. They know. They saw Jesus. You, you have not seen him in the flesh. You have sensed him. You felt him, his love, his grace, his embrace. These guys saw him live, die, rise, and ascend. This is before CGI and, you know, Photoshop and all that stuff. They saw it. And now you and I, we establish our faith on that firm foundation of the word of God. And Peter says, guys, you're going to be mocked. There's going to be scoffers. But let me make sure you understand, why in the world are we still here? Because his long-suffering is salvation. And had he come in 1968, more, more than half of us, I just imagine, by, based on our, when we got saved or when we were born, wouldn't be going to heaven. And I'm so thankful and so I ask you this question. Are you thankful to, about tomorrow? And are you thankful about what's going on? Is there hope? The hope in your heart of heaven. Last week we left off in verse 12. Revelation 14. Would you read it with me? It said, here's the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I'm going to read it differently. There's a few words in there that aren't included in the newest transcripts. I'm going to read it as some of your Bibles read. Here is the patience of the saints who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. I don't know if John interjected that thought or if he received it in the Revelation. He wrote it down. It's the Bible. The faith. The patience. Perseverance of the saints. That's you and me. Those who keep the commandments of God. Where is the patience? Where is the faith? Where is the perseverance? What's he talking about? Verse 13. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, write Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Verses 12 and 13 interjected right in the middle of chapter 14. They're kind of like, guys, do you see what John sees? The three angels that we studied last week that are flying throughout the world in the future. One is screaming, fear God and worship him. One is screaming, Babylon is fallen. It's fallen. It doesn't work. The worldly system, the political system, the false spirituals, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. The third angel is screaming. Those who take the mark of the beast and worship him, you will be banished forever. Don't take the mark. And before we saw that, we saw the 144,000 that had the father's name written on their forehead. There was no guile or deceit found in their mouths. They'd kept themselves pure from the ways of the world during the tribulation period. They followed the lamb wherever he went. These guys were legit. And all this is happening in the future. And John said, this is how you're going to stay faithful. 
You remember. You remember. Look, look at verse 13 again. Right. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Stop right there. And I, can you imagine getting that on your birthday card? <laughs> hey, happy birthday. You're blessed when you die. You know, that's what it said. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. Like, it goes on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. This is a promise of God that if you just keep abiding in him, working in him, your works will follow. Rest will come. We say RIP when somebody dies. Rest in peace. I don't really like that term unless I contrast it with this verse. When I think of rest in peace, personally, maybe I'm just a weirdo, I think of what I see in the, in the, in the, in the casket. In the coffin. I think of a person rest, resting in peace. Oh, look at that, rest in peace. That, that's not what rest in peace means. To go to heaven after you die, having labored and endured, you, you won't be, you know, you know. You know what I'm saying? I've done a lot of funerals. You won't be that way. You will, you will be resting, but not in a weird, you know, Bark a lounger way, easy boy, you know. <laughs> oh, sh sh he's resting. No. You'll be resting in peace. You will, your labors will have ended. Pure joy. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. This is the perseverance of the saints. This is the patience of the saints. God knows what he's doing right now. And it's a long road. And we're getting older. And things are falling apart. And you can rest. Even now, as you trust in him, what are you resting in? What are you, what are you hoping in? Man, my hopes go up and down, don't they? I sure hope it stops raining. I sure hope the Blazers make the playoffs, you know. I hope my Tahoe makes it to 200,000 miles. I hope, you know. I got these hopes, they're cool. But they're, nothing compares to the hope of heaven when the Blazers don't make the playoffs because they won't. Or when the check engine light comes on because it will. Or when it keeps raining because this is Newport. Did you know sometimes we get phone calls from South Beach, Miami? People are like, hey, I'm trying to find your church. It's a true story. I was talking to this one guy. I was trying to guide him in. I was like, just go over the bridge. And it's on the left. He's like, okay. He's like, all right, I just, I just went over the bridge. I, I don't see him. I'm like, it's right, it's right there, bro, you know. He's somewhere driving around Miami. <laughs> Anyways. Wrong, wrong Newport Beach. Wrong, wrong South Beach. South Beach, Miami. There's, South Beach, there's Newport, California. People think, oh, you're in Newport, California. I'm like, no, bro. Way less cool. Guys, I need you to see what happens next. Chapter 14, again, is that comfort chapter. Chapter 13, it's almost as if we'd lost. Antichrist rises up. False prophet rises up. Satan with his puppets. Two men, Antichrist and the false prophet, two men. 
regular men, in, empowered by Satan. Crazy stuff. Demonically empowered. Mark of the beast, one world government, cashless system. It's all going to happen. And at the exact same time, there's a group of people that have their father's name written on their foreheads. Listen, they've got God on their minds. How did they do it? How did they live in this tri tribulation, in this, this trial? They have the Father on their mind. Isaiah 26.3. He will keep, keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. It's a promise. You ever get discombobulated and weirded out? It's called Highway 101. I get, I get, I lose my salvation on Highway 101 all the time. <laughs> I just lose it. I be, you know, become a minion for the devil himself, you know. <laughs> right? People go slow. People are so slow. Anyways. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. What was I saying? Thank you. I didn't do it. My mind just drifted. These guys are able to go through the tribulation period because their mind is completely... I'm just telling you right now. You can do the same thing. You literally can. In your marriage, in your singleness, in your overwhelmedness, in your loneliness. It is the Lord right now. In your addiction, in your battle, trying to stay away from the stuff. Try not to go back to that hole, that thing that's sucked you dry and spit you up. And... You know what I'm saying? You ever, you ever struggle? Keep your mind on the Lord. I'm going to heaven. Look what happens next, though. Then I looked, verse 14, and behold, a white cloud. This is the end of the tribulation period. And one who's fat like the Son of Man, having on it, this is Jesus, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth in the earth was reaped. There is a division between commentators of what Jesus is reaping here. Some believe this is the great harvest. In the next chapter, we'll see the end of the tribulation saints. There's the beginning of the tribulation saints that have already been brought to heaven through death. They've died. And then in the end, there'll be another great group of men and women who say, Mark of the what? Come again? No. And they'll get saved. And they'll be killed. And, and some believe this is speaking of that great harvest. And I can see that because that, that's how we want to see Jesus, isn't it? He comes on a sickle and he's like, my people. And he gathers the fruit. Makes sense. There, there is one Greek word here that doesn't fit that narrative. And it's the word ripe. And the word ripe, and it could. It depends on what side of the table you're sitting on that morning and how much coffee you had. 
what view you want of Jesus, really. And that word ripe at the end there, verse 14, or verse 15, for the earth is ripe. That word ripe literally means overripe. It could mean in a positive way. Jesus has waited so long just to ensure maximum growth. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait. Because that, that does fit everything else that Jesus is doing right now. He's waiting. But there also is this, a time where you wait and wait and wait to harvest your, your vegetables or your garden. There's a time. You ever done this before? Here, and then you go and it's, it, it's too late. This word ripe literally means overripe and or drying out. Like the grapes, are, they're, they're not, it's too late. I've done some gardening before and, you know, you get, you get I, I get kind of greedy sometimes. You see that broccoli, you know, it's like, oh, it's looking good, it's looking good. And, pretty, and you just keep, you know, in a couple of days you don't look at it and then you go back and it's flowered, you know, it's over and, you know, it's too late and it's fertilizer. And, and I, I don't know. Personally, I believe that this is not a good scene. I believe that there is a great harvest. Obviously, we see that throughout, but I don't, I don't think... This is something you need to wrap your mind around. This is the beginning of the wrath of God, the, the wine press of the great wrath of God. Look at the next verse. Then another angel came out, and this could be contrast. It could be a companion. Another great angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar who had power over the fire over fire, and he cried with a loud voice, saying, cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. And so the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth. You could circle that if you're a note taker. It's a specific vine. It's the vine of the earth. Jesus said that he is the vine, we are the branches. Israel is noted in the Old Testament as being a type of vine. From a vine grows fruit, branches, offspring, outcome from Israel. Okay? We're grafted into that vine. Jesus himself said, I am the vine. This is the vine of the earth. It's not a good thing. And God's looking at the earth right now and he's like, wow. Have you looked at the earth and seen what it's, what it's, what it's producing? Is it what it's producing right now? It is I mean, you can't, even, you can't even take it all in. We just see headlines. Do we not just see headlines? Like, you know, all these crazy things that come up on the ticker. You're like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe it. Can you imagine all the stuff that's happening that we don't know about? It has been purported that one issue of the News Times, not News Times, uh, Newsweek, a, a magazine, a, a periodical, one, one, edition, one day's worth is more information within that one newspaper, one day's worth then somebody in the 17th century would come in contact their entire life. There's just more information. And it's all just like document. You know, it's all just like, all right, here's what's going on. Take it or leave it. The vine of the earth. And there'll be a time where this angel shows up and says, cut it. It's, it's going cray cray. I don't have to tell you guys this. You know this. Right? You guys know this. With the perversion and the chaos and the things that are coming out and the things that are being celebrated and the things that are being legislated, it's just, it's like, <laughs> and there's a time where the Lord says, okay, 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 it's fully right. Which, by the way, proves God's patience. Because if I were up there with my finger on the nuke button, we'd be all done. 
you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and Luke. Like, Luke's going to run the nuke button today. Like, all right, guys, I got this. Smash, you know. <laughs> the Lord, he's so patient. He's so dang patient. And I just, and I want to I be more patient. Do you get impatient to the people around you? I do. I read a story, and I'm just, off with their heads. Off with their heads. <laughs> off with their heads. <laughs> and the Lord says, Luke, just give it a couple more years, you know. It's coming. God will judge. This is so, such good news. Because you can get freaked out. You can spaz out. Did you see? We need to mobilize and march and riot and picket. And I think you should have a, a, a well-formed opinion and you should vote for the glory of God and the good of others. And you should be well-versed and well-minded what's going on. But the Lord is the judge. And the world is it's going, it's spiraling. There's this portion of scripture in the book of Acts, we just read it, where a new rule comes out, legislated from the highest rulers, and they say, it's illegal to preach in Jesus. Take that. And you know what they do? They go to their house, and they pray, and they pray this prayer, Lord, would you give us a brand new president? <laughs> no, they don't. They didn't pray for the government. They didn't. You know what they prayed? Lord, would you give us boldness? As we preach in Jesus' name, would you make us good? Would you give us power as you prove your, 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 your self? They didn't try and change the world. The world's, it's the world, careful, because it can feel real religious and real, you know, righteous to change the world around. The world is, it's the vine of the earth. It's, it's, it's just, it's a wild vine. And he says here, verse 20, and the winepress was trampled outside the city. This is the future. And blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs or 180 miles. A lot of symbols here, a lot of pictures. I don't know what he really saw. This 180 miles directly north of Jerusalem is the Valley of Megiddo, Armageddon. When Napoleon Bonaparte saw it in his exploits, he cried that there were no people to fight in that moment. And he speculated, surely, this is what he said, surely the rulers of the earth will battle here. There's this plane, 20 miles by 16, ready to roll. I've been there a couple times. We'll be there in a couple months. May 16th, May 17th, May 18th, we're going to be there. The Valley of Megiddo. And if you go from Megiddo down to Jerusalem and just 20 miles beyond, it's about 180 journey, just 20 miles beyond if you're going to use the numbers given here, which takes you to Petra, where the children of Israel, the Jewish nation at that time in the future will be protected. All this is going to happen. And he says that the wine press will be trampled and blood will flow 180 miles at the horse's bridle. Now, when I was younger and even now, I still, I'm like, what? That's a lot of blood. Josephus writes, first century historian, not a believer, Jew, of the wars. And he recounts certain slaughters that happened within villages, that the blood would flow ankle, knee deep, down the streets, going into people's homes, extinguishing their fires, just 
Stuff that just makes me sick. We don't like blood, do we? You go to the meat section of Fred Meyer's and it's all cellophane and, you know, they got the special lights on so you can't see blood. We don't want, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a four foot deep river of blood. Although it may. Because that's hard to imagine, most people have a workaround where they say, much like stomping grapes would cause grape juice to splatter, that horses during this battle, this 180 long stretch, would have blood splattering up past their bridle. I don't know. Checks out for me. Some people say, well, horses, what are you talking about horses? We missed that era. We're about 100 years short, you know. I don't know. I don't know. It could be simple. We'll, we'll, how will this battle? I don't know. And yet Peter, where we began our, our day, I don't actually know where we started today. Kind of went crazy from the beginning. Peter said in verse 11 of chapter 3, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? I ent- Man, last night I studied as hard as I could after running seven miles when I shouldn't have. Huge mistake. I was so tired. Advil, just Advil, 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 you know. I took two Advil. And popcorn, lots of popcorn. And I just, Lord, what's the message tomorrow? What's the message? What's the message for me? Lord, what does Luke need? Because I know you guys are all going to be here, but it's it's really not about you. It's about me, you know. (laughs) Kidding, if you're listening online, kidding. But what's what's God saying to the church? And I don't know what he's saying. I know what he's saying to me. He's saying, Luke, man, don't, don't get tired. You're getting older physically? Fine. That's okay. It's natural. Embrace it. But spiritually, okay, you're getting more and more ripe, more and more ready. Produce more fruit. Abide in me. There are three vines. Jesus said in John 15, abide in me. And in contrast, I, I, I intended to teach this much faster and then circle back to verse 1 of chapter 14 and kind of go through these 144,000 again because they're tribulation saints. They're, they're sealed. Father on their mind. They don't get involved with the things of the world. The Bible says they're kept pure. Guys, don't mess around. Whatever's going on right now, if you just need an encouragement to just, man, figure it out, the world is messed up. And just because it's at your fingertips and on your phone or you got a little side relationship or whatever, no. Deal with it. Deal with it. And you know how you deal with it? You repent. Forgiven. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. You're just forgiven. There's such a joy as you get older in the Lord and you, re- you realize how beautiful repentance is. You just, it's repentance. Lord, I got dirty again. 
you're forgiven. And you just, you just, you, re, you repent more, but sin less. Have you guys figured this out yet? As Christians, you sin less and less and less. You still sin, but you repent more and more and more. And I don't want to blow it. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to miss what the Lord is doing. He's changing lives. Matter of fact, I'm gonna have Ryan come up and. We're just going to worship the Lord and take communion. Guys, I would pray that you have a soft heart towards the Lord. Just a soft heart towards the Lord. Lord, soften my heart. He'll tell you. He'll tell you what you need to do today. What you need to do. You can't do what I need to do. I know what I need to do. I got to tighten it up. I got to figure it out, man. Do it. You won't regret it. Guys, the patience of the Lord, the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. Did you know if you're here today and you're a Christian and you, you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit today, that's because he loves you. He wants you to do so well. He sees you aging. He sees. He sees things falling apart, things slowing down, and, and he extends his, his hand to you. He sees your body. It doesn't work this way. It's okay. He's slowly getting your attention. And he's smiling at you right now. He's smiling. He says, let's do this. Double down. Would you bow your heads? Lord, as we come to the table now, we celebrate your great kindness and great mercy demonstrated in, in the cross that Jesus died for us in that while we were yet sinning. And we ask God that you'd be honored as we come to the table and confess our sins. Even now, Lord, would you just nudge men and women? Maybe it's a hard heart. Maybe it's a selfishness. Maybe it's a real sin, a real battle. And you're smiling. You're looking at Isaiah with the coal coming off the fire and you're touching lips saying, hey, anybody want to keep going? And you're asking me, you want to keep going? I'll, I'll take you. I'll take you right now. Just, if you need the, if you want the Lord to respond to you in a deeper way, and you're, you want to volunteer yourself to Him to be used in a deeper way, just a steadfast way. He's got it all. He's got the big things figured out. Don't worry. But if you need to be encouraged in the Lord, and you would invite the Lord deeper into your heart to search your mind, would you raise up your hand right now and just say, "Lord, change my life again. I rededicate my life. Just do it right now." The, the foolish things you've been going after. They're just, it's the vine of the earth. It's not going to help you. It's not going to do anything for you. Lord, would you just right now break chains, break strongholds, tear down lies? Put your hand up if you want to rededicate your life to the Lord in that way. Just give your life again. Lord, we love you. We need you.
We honor you, Jesus. Would you forgive us of our sins, Lord? Would you empower us? Would you keep us, Lord, growing? Just as we can barely recognize our physical growth. We can't see it day in and day out, but after a contrast, we just notice, wow, I'm old now. I pray that we'd be able to say the same spiritually. Wow, I'm different by your faithfulness. Would you have your, your way in our hearts, Lord? We honor you. You can put your hands down. Lord, as we come to the table, be honored in what we do. As we lift up the bread and lift up the cup, remembering that you were lifted up for us, that in Jesus, it's all good. Holy Spirit, would you quicken us now? Quicken us at the table. Let no man, let no woman, let, let, let nobody, Lord, leave the table without being quickened in the Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.